Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. And we are here each week at this time to bring information about polygamy and polygamists and about the early Mormon church and their polygamous leaders. Information that our viewers may not even be aware of that we hope uh, will help them understand that Mormon polygamy is not and was not from God, but it was from Joseph Smith. And remember that polygamists believe in the same basic doctrines as the Mormon, mainline Mormon church believes. Before we get started, I have a couple of announcements tonight. First of all, a conference entitled Mormonism to Christianity is going to be held July 19th, 17th through 19th here in Salt Lake City. And as you can see, there are several speakers lined up. I have the privilege to uh, have been asked to be speaking on Saturday at 2 p.m., but there's many other uh, excellent speakers you might want to come and listen to. They'll be at the Lifeline Community Church 4431 West, 8200 South in West Jordan. And you can go to lifelinecommunity.com to get more information uh, about the conference and also about the location. And then there's a long uh, link there that you can go to to register. You don't need to worry about paying for this one because it's free, but registration is necessary to be able to plan properly for the event. So we invite all of you to come. Anyone who is interested in this topic Topic, uh, we encourage you to come and listen to some very good speakers. And also, the second announcement is that the Main Street Church, Main Street Church of Brigham City, is having their fifth annual church in the park, and it's going to be this Sunday, June 29th. It begins at 10:30 a.m. And it's going to be held at Pioneer Park in Brigham City. Several of the local churches are closing their doors that morning and will be joining with them for a collective communal worship. Afterwards, there's going to be free hamburgers and hot dogs. So come and join the fellowship, enjoy the fun with other Christians, listen to some good messages, and enjoy God together at the park this Sunday in Brigham City. Last week, Earl Erskine, our co-host, and thank you again for being here, to be here and for sharing in this interesting adventure. It is. We began a two-part series comparing Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible with the King James Version. This week, uh, we will present more comparisons as part two of our a series which should cause uh, many people, should cause many people to beg the question, where did Joseph Smith get the idea that he had the authority yeah. to change God's word? And if you'll excuse me for saying it like this, but some of these changes were so stupid, they actually proved the point that Joseph Smith really didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> messing wasn't around really with... Translating, uh, he wasn't. Yeah. And messing around with languages that he didn't know anything about. Yeah. And then, I mean, and give you an example of one of these stupid changes he made. It's in Mark chapter 15, verse 
22. And the King, Virgin, Ver, King James Version says, and I quote, And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And then Joseph Smith came along and he changed this verse to say, Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a burial. Now, this change is inaccurate. Joseph Smith had absolutely no foundation to make this change. Golgotha is an Aramaic word that means place of the skull. You go get an Aramaic dictionary and, you know, you just don't go change words in in definitions. And no amount of mythical so-called inspiration that Joseph Smith claimed will ever be able to fix this error. People just don't walk into someone else's language and start making changes to their definitions. And that's exactly and effectively what Joseph Smith tried to do. The original word is Golgotha and all New Testament Greek dictionaries define it as the place of the skull. It is not the place of burial. Joseph Smith just made haphazard changes to the Bible with no manuscript evidence to back up his changes. But then why should we expect anything different? There's no no manuscript evidence for the Book of Mormon either. No, that's true. (laughs) Nothing to back it up. Nothing to back it up. No no concordance, no dictionary of the ancient whatever Reformation language he said he used because it doesn't exist. In his version of the Bible, Luke uh, chapter 10, verse 22, Joseph Smith actually changed the nature of God, which actually contradicts many of his own teachings. We're going to read Luke 10, 22 from the King James Version. This was important to me as I came through the, uh, came out of Mormonism. Luke 10, 22, all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Okay. And on the other side, Joseph Smith's translation, it says, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son, but him to whom the Son will reveal it. Okay, so he changed that to verse 23 from, from what yeah. the King James verse 22, but he changes who God is here. Yeah, made it sound very Christian the way he changed it. Well, it's except for the Son isn't the Father. Well, I understand that. <laughs> but he's, he said, you know, at least he's, he's acting like there's a one God. Yeah, he's, a, he's acting was, like there's yeah. one God, but, yeah. but, but the, the theology is way wrong. But sure. he totally changed what Jesus had said, changing, trying to bring one, one person in the, into God rather than the three persons of the Trinity. But let's go to the Book of Mormon and see what he says in Alma eleven thirty eight through 39. Now Zeezrom saith again unto him, Is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And Amulek said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. Okay, so here the Son, uh, now neither, by the way, the, the Mormons nor the polygamists believe that the Son is the Father. Nobody believes that. I've never taught it. I've no. never heard it ever taught in this no. culture. So we're left confused as to what Joseph Smith may be telling us uh, in his so-called prophetic voice. But... Joseph Smith's sermon on the plurality of gods tells an entirely different story as it is printed in History of the Church. Yeah, this is dated in June 16th of 1844, and it says, Many men say there is one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, are only one God. I say that is a strange God anyhow. Three in one and one in three, it is a curious organization. 
All are to be crammed into one God according to sectarianism. It would make the biggest God in all the world. It would make, it, he would be a wonderfully big God. He would be a giant or a monster. A giant or a monster. Yeah. God has revealed himself as one God and three persons, which is effectively the tw Trinity. Yet the Book of Mormon and the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible says Jesus and the Father are the same person. And the testimony of the three witnesses yeah. at the front of the Book of Mormon is very interesting, too, because it says that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one God. It doesn't say they're one person. No. It says they are one God. And none of these verses in the Bible or the Book of Mormon ever says that they are one God in purpose, ever. That's something that somebody has added verbally, yeah. but it's not in any text. Well, Mux, I'm go ahead. sorry, it was mm -hmm. just interesting that this is dated 1844, and all the other things you're talking about, the Joseph Smith translation, the Book of Mormon, and Luke 10.22, all occur back in the 1830s, mm -hmm. early 1830s, 32 mm -hmm. yeah. and so on. So he, he morphed or changed his way of he, looking he at God. He did. He yeah. evolved. All right. yeah, <laughs> his theology he evolved. He did. Okay, well, many of Joseph Smith's works uh, literally bristle with contradictions, and that's what we're going to get into now in some of this tonight. So we're going to look at the doctrine of eternal marriage that Joseph Smith introduced into Mormonism, which all the polygamists embrace. Of course, to them, polygamy itself guarantees eternal marriage and eternal procreation, but is that true. Luke chapter 20 verse 35. Yeah, notice these contrasts. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. That's the King James King Version. James. The mm -hmm. Joseph Smith Version, the translation. But they who shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world through resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So he didn't change the doctrine. He had a chance to. He had an opportunity <laughs> to say hey it's eternal marriage here but he didn't. He didn't change it. And there's two other places in the Gospels. In Mark chapter 12 verses 44 and 45 and in Matthew 22, Joseph Smith had the opportunity to change those verses as well to tell about eternal marriage, but he didn't change them at all. And he had another chance in Romans chapter 7 verse 2 to make the change that would support eternal marriage, but he didn't change that verse either. Romans chapter two, uh, 7 verse, verse 2. two. King James. For the woman hath, I'm sorry, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So when someone dies, yeah. a married couple, a spouse dies, they're loosed from the law of marriage period. Joseph Smith sustained the law of marriage ends at death for everyone. There's no teaching of eternal marriage and no teachings of sealings in this life to guarantee eternal marriage in the next life, neither in the Bible, it's not in Joseph Smith's version of the Bible, nor is it in the Book of Mormon. So where the heck did it come from? <laughs> What about the three levels of heaven uh -huh. and the pre-mortal existence? You would think Joseph Smith would really run with this one. This, be, <laughs> this is interesting. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're all familiar with this, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differeth <laughs> 
from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Now, Joseph Smith made some change here in verse 40. So we're going to, the, the, we've, we've got the context here, which is the resurrection, by the way, comparing our resurrected body with our eternal body. That's what the whole, the whole set of verses is talking about. Uh, it's not talking about heaven or the levels, so, yeah. uh, the whole chapter. But let's look at verse 40 and see what it says in King James and what Joseph Smith did with it. <clears throat> okay, and this is the King James, or the this is Joseph Smith's version in uh, verse forty. Also, celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, and bodies telestial, <coughs> but the glory of the celestial one and the terrestrial another, and the telestial another. Mm -hmm. And in the King James, of course, reading again, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Okay, now to go back to the context, it's the resurrection and what our bodies will look like after the resurrection. That's what the chapter's talking about. Yet three levels of heaven, which has nothing to do with the context, has been manufactured into the Mormon style interpretation. And in verse 40, Joseph Smith added the word telestial. Now this word is in no Bible manuscript, throughout all, all the ages. In fact, from what I can discover, the word telestial didn't even exist until Joseph Smith coined it here. A former seminary student said that his teacher taught that the telestial kingdom was closest to hell and hell rhymes with tell, so that is why <laughs> telestial begins with T-E-L. Oh. That's wonderful anatomy, uh, etymology there, isn't it? Uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense at all. There's no, no uh, um, background for that either. There's no historical or biblical evidence for the word telestial before Joseph Smith uh, coined it that I could find. And I Googled it and I couldn't find it anywhere. Now, whatever excuse they want to use, the word is not found in the biblical Greek or in the biblical Hebrew. And terrestrial, let's look at that word. It means earthly. From the Hebrew Greek Key Study Bible New Testament Greek Lexicon, the word terrestrial is defined as meaning belonging to the earth, made of the earth. The word is always, always opposite of that which pertains to heaven. So terrestrial means of the earth. We're supposed to believe that a level of heaven is terrestrial, opposite of heaven. Yeah, there's just That's the definition. heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Yeah, they're just, yeah. just comparing the difference in the glory of the heavenly and earth. That's all it was doing. Joseph Smith made claims that no language verifies and that no historical or biblical validation offers. Interesting, however, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44 and verse 46 in Joseph Smith's version, he totally invalidates the premortal existence. Mm, yes, let's read that. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. That's King James and Joseph Smith made no change to that. And this is saying the natural body came first, not the spiritual. Okay, yeah. now let's get to verse 46. In 1 Corinthians again, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. And then he made the change in verse 46, Howbeit that which is natural first, and not that which is spiritual, but afterwards that which is spiritual. So he changed <laughs> the wording, but he didn't change the teaching. 
It's, an ex it's a self-contradiction by Joseph Smith, and none of Mormonism believes it. They all believe the spiritual came first. All the polygamists believe that. All of the, the Mormon teachings believe the spiritual came first in a pre-mortal existence, then you come down here, and then you go back to the spiritual. But, but Joseph Smith didn't say that here in verses 44 or 46. He said the natural came first. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, for one of these wonderful contradictions. And I quote, for I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. So 1 Corinthians 15, he says uh, the natural comes first, not the spiritual. Yeah. Genesis 2 verse 5 says that the spiritual came first, not the natural. Pretty good proof that Joseph Smith didn't know what he was talking about. And using the idea of progressive revelation, which they do, uh, to fix the contradictions won't work simply because the, the last word is the one that would stand. And the last word is in 1 Corinthians 15 that says the natural came first not the spiritual. And that's also what Jesus taught yeah. when he was here. So according to all of the Bible, there is no spiritual pre-mortal existence of anyone except Jesus Christ himself. So let's look at Jesus's relationship to Lucifer. If Jesus is, is God the creator, or is he Satan's brother, which all of Mormonism believes? We're going to read Colossians uh, in the King James first. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Now let's take a look at verse 15 there. If you'd keep that on the screen for a minute. Uh, I want to explain that a lot of people will take verse 15 uh, and make it look like that Jesus is the firstborn. But you know what? <clears throat> the word firstborn in the Greek does not mean born first. Now people are going to be laughing. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But I do because I've looked it up. And you know what? The word firstborn in the, the, this um, language means preeminence. In fact, verse 17 uh, interprets verse 15 because it means preeminent. It means that before all things, Jesus existed and then he created every creature. That's exactly what it's saying. Check me out. If you don't believe me, please check me out because that's exactly what it means. The Bible interprets itself and verse 17 interprets verse 15. But it tells us right there that he is the creator of yeah. everything. So let's look at Hebrews in King yeah, James. And Joseph Smith didn't change that one at all. He so didn't change was, it. So Hebrews 1, 3, it says, Who, <coughs> Jesus, being the brightness of his God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, so, and again, there's no change in Joseph Smith's version on this, and it tells us that Jesus is the image, the express image of God, of the person of God, and that he uh, upholds everything by the word of his power. That's Jesus. That is God the Son. 
God is an invisible spirit. The Bible tells us that all through the Bible we're told God is an invisible spirit. He cannot be seen. And he is made visible only in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God the Son. Matthew one twenty three backs this up. <clears throat> yeah, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. That sounds kind of like God that, with us. <laughs> that's kind of like Jesus is God with us. Jesus yeah. is the image of the invisible God. He made God visible in God the Son, and Joseph Smith never changed that verse. He changed the location to Matthew 2, but the verse remains the same. So let's look at what he said. Yeah, Joseph Smith's translation is, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So he's verifying that Jesus Christ is God with us. Yeah. Now let's look at the Old Testament source of this quote in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself <clears throat> shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's King James Version, and Joseph Smith did not make any changes <clears throat> in his version to this verse. So God the Son cannot be the spirit brother to the devil or to us. How can Jesus Christ, God the Son, creator of all things, God with us, be the brother of Lucifer whom he created? Impossible. I never understood that as a Mormon, as a Latter-day Saint, but I certainly do now. And Joseph Smith and didn't change did, this. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, the, doctrine, the doctrine has to stand in Joseph yeah, Smith's version. True. That, that Jesus and Satan are not brothers. Yeah. All right, what about polygamy? What did Joseph Smith do with that? The King James Bible is against polygamy, so we checked and compared verses in Joseph Smith's version with the King James, and this is what we found. Deuteronomy 17, 17 says, Neither shall he multiply <coughs> wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Joseph Smith? No change. No change. <laughs> okay, so right there, the, a man cannot multiply wives. And you say, well, how many wives did it take to multiply? Anything more than one is multiplying wives <laughs> to himself because God made monogamy the example in Genesis chapter 2. So let's go to Leviticus 20 for some marriage practices. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Joseph Smith did not change those ver that verse at all, not even a punctuation mark. He didn't change that. Yet Joseph Smith took for himself, plural wives, 11 women who were other men's wives. Let's look at chapter 20, verse 14. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, there, that there be no wickedness among you. Joseph Smith made no changes to that, verse, to that verse at all, but Joseph Smith did, and Mormon fundamentalists do practice these marriage prohibitions. They marry sisters. They marry relatives. Joseph Smith did marry a mother and her daughter, and he also married other men's wives. He paid no attention to his own Bible version that prohibits his own behavior. That's very interesting. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 2. <laughs> Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. 
Joseph Smith's version, what does it say? Nevertheless, I say, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So the only thing he changed in that verse is that he Was, added the words, I say. I say. Yeah. Otherwise, the verse remains the same. Each man is supposed to have his own wife, each woman's over and hut. That's monogamy, not polygamy. So how can he say that polygamy is God's command when his Bible version and his Book of Mormon prohibits polygamy. Let's look at three more verses in the New Testament. Yeah, just over and over again, the concept of being monogamous. Mm -hmm. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. In First Tim Timothy 3, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And in Titus, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. So what did Joseph Smith do with these verses? Nothing. nothing, nothing. He never changed them. One wife, one wife, one wife, all through it, one wife. So Mormonism and fundamentalism would do well to recognize that Joseph Smith was not a prophet of God. Prophets of God don't do that. And, and God never commanded polygamy, not in the Bible, not in Joseph Smith's own Bible version, and certainly the Book of Mormon does not support polygamy either. I think it's important to remember too, and I know we kind of touched on a little bit, but Joseph Smith did morph and change over time. Mm -hmm. And all of these concepts we're talking about out of the, out of the uh, inspired version, they call it, Joseph Smith translation, again back in 1830, 32 or something. And he hadn't started his own polygamy practices, so he couldn't have justified himself with these verses. Of course he had to. Dis disregard them or else he had to go back and change his own inspired version yeah. of the Bible and, and in order to make it fit and he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. He, he, got him, he painted himself in the so-called corner. That's right. <laughs> now the Bible tells us that no man can see God and live. Doctrine and Covenants teach that teaches that a person who does not hold the priesthood cannot see the face of God. So let's read that that Doctrine and Covenants. And DNC 84. That you'll, if you don't know this one, check it out. Without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. So right there, Joseph Smith himself said, no one without the priesthood can see the face of the That's Father. Right. According to Doctrine and Covenants uh, 13, Joseph Smith received the priesthood May 15, 1829, yet he claimed he had seen the Father in a vision in 1829, years before he got the priesthood. And he claimed to have seen God, yet later he says that without the priesthood, no one can see God. More contradictions, just piling one on top of the other. In Joseph Smith's version of the Bible, written by Joseph Smith himself, reread what he wrote in his version of Exodus 33:20 about seeing God. And he said unto Moses, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man among them see me at this time and live. Neither shall there be any sinful man at any time that shall see my face and live. So now this is Joseph Smith's own version. Yeah. You can find them. You can get the body. You can get it right here. This is a parallel. One column is King James. One column is Joseph Smith. And you can compare the verses. And according to his own testimony, no one without the priesthood can see God and no sinful man at any time can see God and live. He did not have the priesthood in 1820. He was a sinful person in 1820. So who or 
or what did he see in the grove in 1820? Well, don't ask me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at how valid it is for anyone to assume the freedom to change God's written word. Deuteronomy 4.2, King James. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. Same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. What thing soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. And in Proverbs 30, it says, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. These are all from the King James Version. Joseph Smith never changed those verses in his version. Now, God, of course, has the supreme authority and the right to continue to add to his own revelations to man, which he did, Genesis, through a revelation, and which contains all that any of us need to know in order to know God and to have eternal life with him forever. Which brings us to Revelation chapter 22. And I suspect that many of our viewers will know where we're going with this. So let's read Revelation 22, 18 and 19, King James Version. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now we know that many supporters of Joseph Smith excuse these verses by saying they are only referring to the book of Revelation, not the rest of the Bible. Frankly, I disagree uh, because it's the very end of the Bible and I believe that God put it there to warn everyone not to mess with any word of his Bible in the book of Revelation or any other part. But <laughs> assuming that he is referring only to the book of Revelation, either way, Joseph Smith is in big trouble because in his version of the Bible, Joseph Smith did make changes to the book of Revelation. Let's look at a few of them. Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And in Joseph Smith's version, it says the revelation of John, a servant of God, which was given unto him of Jesus Christ to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. Now he didn't change a lot of that verse, but he really changed a very significant part yeah. because the Bible says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith says this is the revelation of John, but the book is not the revelation of John, of John at all. The entire book of Revelation is of revelation of Jesus Christ before his first coming, during his first coming, and after his second coming. Okay, or before, during, and after his second, second coming. coming yeah. I, I said that wrong. So Joseph Smith got that w really wrong, and he made a bad change there. Revelation 1-7. Some more changes. For behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. The change. For behold, he cometh with clouds, with ten thousands of his saints in the kingdom, clothed with the glory of his Father. And every eye shall see him, and they who pierced him, and all, the, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. So Joseph Smith added 16 words to that verse. 
he added to God's word there. There's no manuscript evidence whatsoever those words should be where he put them. Let's go to <laughs> Revelation 2.22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And in Joseph Smith's version, Behold, I will cast her into hell and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Now, there's no evidence whatsoever that it should be into hell instead of into a bed. Besides that, I thought the Mormons don't believe in hell. Why would he change it into something they don't believe in? <laughs> but, but he had no basis whatsoever to change that, and so he made a change that is unauthorized. Revelation 9:14. Yeah, a couple more. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Joseph Smith changed it to read, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the bottomless pit. Completely changed the location there. Yeah, the whole meaning. Yeah, yeah, really, the, yeah, the whole situation there with, with apps, again, no evidence whatsoever, manuscript evidence that that change should be there. And here's a big change that he made in Revelation 12. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then the change. And the dragon prevailed not against Michael, neither the child nor the woman which was the church of God, who had been delivered of her pains and brought forth the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Neither was their place found in heaven for the great dragon, who was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and also called Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So we underlined in there the places that Joseph Smith added or made changes to those verses. So he, he was pretty drastic with his pen in many of these places. In all of the book of Revelation, I counted 83 verses that Joseph Smith made some kinds of a deletions additions or changes. So let's look at Revelation 22, 18 and 19 again so that you can get in your mind what happens to someone when they add to or take away from God's word. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Therefore, verses 18 and 19 do apply to Joseph Smith. Whether he changed any part of the other rest of the Bible doesn't matter. He made those changes in the book of Revelation. He took away from the verses. He changed at least 83 verses. He changed hundreds and hundreds of other verses uh, in the entire King James Bible. Ironically, Joseph Smith did not change verses 18 he and didn't. 19 <laughs> in Revelation 22. So they stand as is to the Mormon mind. His own testimony condemns himself. Now those who follow Joseph Smith have no grounds to deny these warning verses do not apply to him because they apply to every single one of us. And God doesn't play games. He meant what he said and he said what he meant and no one has the right to say God didn't say what he said. As Hebrews chapter 10 verses 30 and 31 says, 
For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That should make anyone think twice. I would think it would anyway. At least investigate the person you're following as a prophet. Do you really want to take that chance with your eternity? We're going to open up the telephone lines now. We'd love to have people call in and and express uh, what your thoughts are on this, with comments or questions that you might have. Our phone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. And as we wait for the phone calls to come in, we will share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we are grateful that you've joined us tonight. Uh, this is Earl Erskine, our co-host, who comes in with us every once in a while, every so often. In fact, quite frequently sometimes Recently, to, yes. to uh, share the information that we have uh, to share with you. And I'm grateful for that. And oh, we've been it. comparing these past two weeks yeah. uh, the King James Version of the Bible with Joseph Smith's so-called translation yeah. and have discovered that Joseph Smith, the source and the inventor of Mormon polygamy, did not validate nor command polygamy even in his version of the Bible. I think there's one thing that, that's kind of interesting if people are willing to look. The, the Dead Sea Scrolls play into this a little bit. No, yeah. Because uh, certainly the Old Testament was part of that uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. And you can actually go online and look up Dead Sea Scrolls English translation. I've done that and I've compared 
a number of the Old Testament scriptures that are in the our King James Version. They're identical, mm -hmm. very, very, very similar, and compared them to the Joseph Smith translation, and none of his changes, none of his additions, and he added many verses to Genesis, to Isaiah, mm -hmm. not one of those changes is supported by the Dead Sea Scroll findings. And that's why you don't ever hear anything in the church, in general conference, or probably in polygamy either, mm -hmm. anything about the Dead Sea Scrolls, because they don't support Mormonism, they, they, and the changes Joseph Smith made to the Old Testament. So Th look that up, Dead Sea right. Scrolls, English translation, you can Yeah, and God tells us to test all things. Yeah. And so we're supposed to test what, what we're doing. And Joseph Smith left no way that we can test. That He left no gold plates. He left no manuscript evidence. He left no dictionaries of his reformed Egyptian. No, no background, no way that we can test his changes here were from God. And God told us to test all things. So there's really something wrong there. And we also have a question to our viewers at this point. Why isn't Joseph Smith's translation part of the official canon? Why isn't it included in the Mormon quad? Now the polygamists also use the Mormon scriptures. Remember that. So these things are of great importance to those who have been raised on Joseph Smith. It's interesting that neither the Mormon church nor the polygamy groups hold copyright or title to Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible, although they reference it whenever they, they need to draw uh, from something to confirm their false doctrines, yeah. they'll reference it, yeah. but it isn't they who own it. It is the RLDS church who owns it in Missouri. And on top of all that, who has the right to copyright God's Word? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Okay, we have a call. Our phone lines are open. Give us a call, 801-973-8820. We'd love to hear from you, comments, questions uh, that you might have regarding the topic tonight. And on line three, we have Norma calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Norma. Yes, is this Doris? This is Doris, yes. I'm glad to hear you and see Earl there tonight because I've had a question on my mind for years that I've never been able to get answered. Okay. Why did the Mormons call their church after the devil? L-E-S. L, Lucifer. D, devil. S, Satan. Yes, I do understand they call them the Latter-day Saints, but to me the Latter-day Saints was when the devil and his followers were thrown out of heaven. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, I think so. I think that you're looking at a coincidence that I, I'm. That there's no way that you could tie that together of being some kind of an under under the table conspiracy. It's kind of like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, the LSD thing of John <laughs> Lennon. But yeah. no, I've never heard that. I thought you were actually going to ask why the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints wasn't named the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints originally. Joseph Smith called it originally like the Church of Christ, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, everything but the uh, official name that yeah. finally came out. Yeah. So it, it wasn't very inspired by God either, I guess. That's or, right. Or yeah. at least it took God a while to get to him uh, with it. But, but, but the, the words Latter-day Saints, are, they, they're, they're true words. I mean, yeah. they're, not, they're not the Latter-day Saints biblically, but I mean, they are words that's not made up just to accommodate some satanic conspiracy. I, I can't <laughs> go for that one. 
Okay, because I've asked other Mormon members and missionaries, but they have not been able to answer it. I appreciate your help. Yeah, I okay. think that's a coincidence. Okay, thanks, Norma. Interesting with that. I, I think we had a call like that a few weeks ago, you didn't think? we? I, I, I do. I, I don't know. know. But anyway, uh, yeah, there, there, you, can't, you can't read too much into some of I mean, there's a, there, Truth is already, what we know and what we can verify is yeah. already interesting enough. We don't need to add yeah. um, something like that to it. But we have some more comparisons. We still have, it looks like we've got three lines full, but we don't have them on the screen yet. Let's compare Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I think this is very interesting yeah. when we look at who the, the uh, uh, Joseph Smith and the early Mormon teachers thought or taught that Jesus was. So Acts twenty twenty eight, King James and then Joseph Smith. Right. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Joseph Smith made the change. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So actually, he didn't make a change. He didn't make a change. He That's could right. have made the change there. He, he, this clearly tells us that it wasn't Satan's brother as, as Jesus Christ on the cross, as Jesus the brother, I should say, uh, on the cross, or our brother. The verse says in Joseph Smith's version that it was God on the cross. God who paid uh, purchased us with his blood. Not a God, but the only God. So there's another another very good um, uh, yeah. comparison. Where that he didn't that, make the change. That do, yeah, that yeah. doesn't fit the Mormon or the polygamous doctrine. Okay, line two, we have Jim calling from Richfield. Hello, Jim, you're on the air. Yes, I, was, I have a question. I was wondering if uh, I've been told that the polygamists use the LDS temples, is that correct? That the polygamists what? Use the LDS temples. I understand there are some who've, who have managed to get in. Um, okay. I don't, I, 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 I can't give you any more information than that. I do know that some polygamists do have their own temple ceremonies in their own buildings. Uh, and, and it's a copy, of course, of the early Mormon ceremony. They, they, they do the same thing because it all came from Joseph Smith and from the early Mormons. And as far as getting into the Mormon temples, they, I know they used to do it a lot. I don't know if they still do it as much as they used to do it. Okay, thank but, you. But if, the, if, the, if they knew it, if the Mormons knew it, of course, they wouldn't allow it to happen. Yeah, I think they would have to be deceitful in order oh, yeah. to get it done. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have to. They have to. Okay, does that answer your question? Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Okay, and on line three, we have Gaylene from Ogden. Hello, Gaylene. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. I wanted to ask you, I think you all know who I am. Yes, Gaylene, uh, how are you? Uh-huh, I want to ask you about, you remember when you were talking about the vision, Joseph Smith's vision? He couldn't have seen the real Jesus Christ and God, they had to be demons themselves. Is that correct? We don't know if he saw anything because there's nine different versions of his visions. And the first uh, several years of the, of the versions of his visions, he didn't see anybody but maybe angels. So, uh, so the question is, did he even have that vision? 
but the Bible tells us uh, that that Jesus must remain in heaven in Acts chapter 3 that Jesus must remain in heaven until his second coming and so we know that that wasn't Jesus he saw if he saw anybody and uh, and we know we can't see God because God's yeah. invisible he Joseph Smith himself said nobody can see God and live if you don't have the priesthood yeah. so it was he didn't see anybody uh, that least and whether they're demons or not I can't answer that question there's no way I can answer that question uh-huh. What do you think? Well, it, it's interesting about the word vision because I'm looking at you now and you're not a vision. But if it, in a huh? vision... Uh, I'm I, looking I, at you and I see you on TV, but... Um, he was trying to explain yeah, what I just, he was It's to just say. that what a vision is, it means that you're not really seeing. It's kind of like Martin Harris said, oh, well, I didn't really see the plates that, as I see a pen on the table. I saw them with my spiritual eyes. Right. So you can kind of close your eyes and see anything you want to uh-huh. and and that could be a vision but you're for me you aren't a vision right, right now i'm yeah. seeing you real mm-hmm. so a vision is something other than real right and, and right. joseph had a first vision of i don't know what he saw and i of course now at this point i don't believe he saw anything i don't so. believe he did i don't believe that there was the father and the son at any point it couldn't be no, because no. that's not the way god yeah. I think he was just made it. I think he just made it up mainly. Probably did. The, yeah. at, at least that part of his vision he did, because it came so many years later. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Gaylene. Thanks, Gaylene. Okay, we, we can't go back, you know, we can use the Bible and we can use what we know in written, you know, the journals and, yeah. and so on and diaries uh, to make our comments, but we can't make conjectures because no. we don't know. We, yeah. we can't do that. So let's look at another comparison here. We're going to go to John chapter 6 in Joseph Smith versus the King James Version. Is it faith or is it works or is it faith plus works? Let's see what Joseph Smith says when he has the opportunity to make a change. change. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him who he hath sent. Okay, so there's no change yeah. here. Joseph Smith never made any changes to that. So the works that God requires are not celestial marriage. They are not polygamy. They are not temple ordinances or the word of wisdom or tithing and on and on and on. Wouldn't Joseph Smith have indicated it in his version if additional works were necessary? But he didn't. This was one of those verses for me that actually got slipped into my Bible when I wasn't looking because (laughs) I had never had anybody explain to me what are the works of God. And all of a sudden I'm reading the work of God is that you believe. Uh He that hath everlasting life, uh, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. People say that's too easy, but you know, it must not be very easy because there's not very many people who (laughs) who are believing. This this (laughs) is very impactful to me that uh, that's the work of God. Uh And then after you believe and you uh, love God and your fellow man, you serve and work and do things good deeds and do do mm-hmm. serve your fellow man and God. Mm-hmm. But that's not the work of God. The that's work not of the God work. is to save us. Jesus did our work on the cross. Yeah. When, he, when he brought salvation, he brought our work to the cross yeah. and died for our sins. He paid our penalty for sin. And if that's not good enough, then nobody gets to get saved. 
anybody gets to go to heaven if that didn't work. And that worked because Jesus Christ is God and he infinitely can pay for an infinite number of sins. And he did. Now, Joseph Smith did not change this verse, by no, the way, to didn't. read, this is the work of God that you believe and live polygamy or that you believe and do the word of wisdom or give full tithe or do your temple work. Or no. uh, He didn't say anything. He just, he just left the verse as it was. Yeah. So either, uh, or we, we always talk about Joseph Smith making remarks that the Bible can't be trusted. Uh, very quickly, let's look at Mark 13, 31, King James, <coughs> and, yeah. um, and Isaiah, 40. Isaiah 48. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And in Isaiah 40, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And Joseph Smith's translation didn't make any changes to those verses either. But then Joseph Smith comes along and he begins to change God's word so that it would fall away. And so that it's somebody else's words would come out rather than God's own word. So he puts him in a very perilous and uh, uh, precarious predicament because God warned us not to mess with his word. According, accordingly, of course, because God's promised, we can trust the Bible and we should be reading it for all the doctrine pertaining to life and godliness and the saving of our souls because anyone who rejects God's word the Bible as revealed in the Bible cannot be saved that is a blanket statement God says so in his word that we believe God and he accounts it to it for righteousness and and Joseph Smith very quickly Joseph Smith taught that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri and there's no historical evidence for that. And yet in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he names the river Euphrates. He names the country Assyria as being a landmark for the Garden of Eden. He also named Ethiopia. And it's an odd world map that will have those, uh, <laughs> those landmarks in North America. So we know it isn't true that the Garden of Eden was in North America no. because Joseph Smith didn't even make that change in the Bible. He put it there as being a landmark. So how can it be in Missouri? And besides that, Zechariah 14 foretells us that when Jesus returns, it will be on the Mount of Olives. Quote, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Nowhere in America is there a Mount of Olives with Jerusalem on the east. And Joseph Smith didn't change that verse either. <laughs> so, Isn't so, that interesting? Uh, yeah, it is. Well, uh, Jim from West Jordan, I'm sorry we don't have time to take your call. If you want to leave a message and a telephone number, I'd be happy to call you back. Um, or leave a, the question with the operator and or call in next week, whatever is going to be working for you. But anyway, I hope this hopes our viewers. I hope uh, they think a little and test things out or do a little research. You know, yeah. It really raises questions about Joseph Smith's character it and has integrity. To. and. It has and to. what he was really trying to do. It's like someone said, they hold the leaders to a lower standard than they hold the, the main membership, the main people. And he's held to a lower standard because he ha doesn't have to live up to any kind of yeah. behavior. Thanks again oh, for being thank here you, tonight. Doris. I appreciate it. In John 14, uh, verse 6, Jesus said that he is the only way to the Father. But world religions say there are many ways to heaven. They claim that each way is the valid as the other way, but of course their way is best, but each way is okay in its own way. 
Well, in our culture, we hear many invitations like, follow Joseph Smith, his way leads to heaven. Well, we answer, no, thank you. I've got Jesus and he is the way to heaven. How about get a temple recommend and do your temple work? But Jesus said he is greater than the temple and I've got Jesus, so he is all I need. What about join us? After all, we are the only true church. Well, Jesus and Jesus alone is the truth, and I've got Jesus, so he is all I need. They say, read the Book of Mormon. It's the most correct book on the planet. Follow the rules and ordinances, and you could earn eternal life. But Jesus is the Word of God, and he gives eternal life. We cannot earn it. They say, join us because we've got a living prophet to guide us. No, thank you. I've got Jesus to guide me, and you can't offer me anyone better than him. Join our church. We have the priesthood authority. Ah, but Jesus has all authority and he is the high priest of God. So Jesus is all I need. And we hear like, live the united order to please God. No thanks. I've got Jesus and he not only provides all I need, he is all I need. And worst of all, they make the statement, live polygamy to get to heaven. Our answer, no thank you. Jesus is the only Savior, not polygamy, and He is all I need to get to heaven. In fact, Jesus is all anyone needs to get to heaven. Thanks for watching, and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.